Hello, fellow time travellers. I'm Colin Baker, and you are listening to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast. Enjoy your travels. <clears throat> Imagine spooky music is playing, because there is a spooky version of the Doctor Who theme, so... You don't have to sing it. It's, it's slowly slow right. piped in. <laughs> Slowed down and distorted. A little bit. Something like that. It's already scary. Huh? Yeah, so. fellow time travelers, and welcome back to the Doctor Who Target Book Club, the podcast in which we undertake the creepy task of discussing in story order all of the Doctor Who novelizations. And welcome to our second annual Halloween special. My name is Tony Witt, and today we have an equally creepy three-person discussion panel, including our terrifying so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. Ooh, it sounds even worse when I do it that way. <laughs> There's also our intermediate-level casual fan who has seen several episodes and has not previously read any of the books until these podcasts, and this time it's none other than the Otherworldly Dalton Hughes. Other, Hello, Dalton. Otherworldly? Yeah. Otherworldly. Ethereal, even. I feel that way. Really? Do you feel very solid tonight? I don't feel like myself. I'm feeling a little dead. There you go. (laughs) That's the spirit. Okay. And finally, we have our novice fan who has seen little to none of the original series and has not previously read any of the books except for the ones we've done for this podcast. And this time around, it's the wrath of God herself, <laughs> Alison Fitch Seyfried. Hello, Alison. What happened to Khan? Was Khan killed by God? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> the Spectre, you know, from the comics. Oh, my, my mistake. Yeah, the wrath of yes. God. Yes. <laughs> it just went dark in here. Yeah, it did. It's supposed to. This is our second Halloween episode, so we intend to trick you just as we did before. The trick is, you're not getting a discussion of a target novelization this time. Oh no. Instead, you're getting a treat. Since it wasn't that long ago... <laughs> Wait, that we what's that say about our usual fare? Well... Are they tricks and comparisons? They're tricks, yeah. yeah, well, as someone pointed out today on Twitter, you're absolutely right. Enemy of the World was not a treat. It was very much a trick. But you yes. weren't here for that, so you couldn't know. But that's okay. Um, where was I? Zing. Since it wasn't that long ago we did a discussion of the Macro Terror, hated it, we've decided to give the giant crabs one more go. They gave us the runs last time, but this time we might actually be able to digest them. What a with, seafood delight. What a seafood delight, <laughs> yes. With Trevor, <laughs> with Trevor Baxendale's 2010 Doctor Who Decide Your Destiny book, Claws of the Macra. 
And what's more, we won't just be discussing it, we'll be reading it as we decide the Doctor's destiny in real time together. Ooh. Yeah. Before we get to talking about the book, we'd like to tell you about two closely related things. One is the existence of our Patreon page, which many of you don't actually know anything about. Uh, it is at patreon.com forward slash dwtargetbc. Tony is feeling his oats tonight. Just a little bit. <laughs> a bunch of freeloaders. Depending on the amount you give per month, you'll receive a randomly chosen BBC book, not a Target book. No, we know. That would be the trick. That would be the trick, and I'm half-tempted. As a gift for supporting us, just to say thank you for being willing to help us stay on the virtual air, which I will say is not a given, so bear that in mind. We may be going. We may have to, without your help. We've also decided to sweeten the pot this time. One of our continuing patrons, Bart Lammy, hello Bart, Hi, Bart. Hey. has requested a copy of Claws of the Macra as his special gift for renewing his Patreon subscription for a second year, which he's already done, so thank you, Bart. Thanks, Bart. And we have two additional copies of Claws of the Macra, and this is what we're going to do. Any Patreon who joins us at any level by the first day of Chicago TARDIS, which starts this year on November 23rd, will be entered in a giveaway, stop it, for one of the two remaining copies we have, plus an additional extra that we're not announcing yet, but here's a hint. It's a hardback. Ooh. Yeah, so whatever it is that you're getting, it's going to be a hardback. It may be a Target book, but it'll be a hardback one. And as we all know, harder is better. <laughs> We will announce the winners in whatever podcast we end up recording there, whether it's part of their regular programming or in our own little hotel room and throwing our own little party. So stay tuned for the details because we don't know them yet and we will tell you as soon as we find out. Once we know. What were the two of you looking at? I was looking at the fact that one copy is significantly thicker than the other. Is it really? The thicker copy has larger type, but I checked a couple of pages and they seem to be the same in both. Exactly the same. Okay, as long as the pages are the same because God help us. If Perhaps we turn the to page... trick will be upon us. <laughs> yes, if we turn to page 40 and it's 42 in there, it's... Well, it's much like our regular discussions, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Separate timelines and such. So. That's true. But we would like to thank Bart, Rick Taylor, and Toby Bengelsdorf. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, guys. Thanks. And now, let's talk about a book set sometime during the run of the 11th Doctor, the Matt Smith Doctor, Claws of the Macra. Without further ado, here are some fast facts. Doctor Who Decide Your Destiny Claws of the Macro, written by Trevor Baxendale, published by Penguin Books in 2010. As of this recording in October of 2018, this title is currently out of print, 144 pages. So, Trevor Baxendale is a fairly prolific writer whose first book, The Janus Collection, Connection rather, was published in 1998 in the BBC Books range. He has since published seven, count them, seven Doctor Who books, two tor Tortured books, a Blake Seven book, four Sarah Jane Adventures books, and a Partridge in a Pear Tree, a handful of books written specifically for the children's market. This is just one of three Decide Your Destiny books he did under the Penguin imprint, and he's done another one called Terror Moon under the Choose the Future line just two years ago. Everything he does, licensed properties, or does he have any um, work I, that's his original I stories? I don't think he has original stories, no. That's true. Trevor, if I'm wrong about that, let us know, because he is very much alive and he can tell us. Yeah, unlike Trevor, the Penguin Group's Doctor Who Decide Your Destiny webpage is not alive. <laughs> it is gone. 
Even putting the URL onto the internet wayback machine brings up nothing. Hmm. Mm. So we're stuck playing this old school. The internet is not forever in this case. It really isn't. Okay. When it comes to Doctor Who, no, nothing regenerated, nothing became a woman, nothing did anything cool like that. So we're stuck playing. Oh, you wanted the website to become a, like a human woman? Well, sure. That, okay. That would have been cool. <laughs> Why not? At least she'd still be around. Probably. We presume. Unless she's, you know, killed by all those anti-social justice warriors who hate Jodie Whittaker. Stupid people. At least they're not sending pipe bombs. Ooh, that got all political I, for me. Pipe bomb sender doesn't seem very good at building and sending pipe bombs. No, but then that's Republican workmanship for you. Mm. <laughs> and that's a Trump supporter for you. For Halloween, oh. we're going to be receiving pipe bombs in Tony's mail. I think so. But I fortunately, may, they seem pretty safe. I may have to edit that out. So, this is what we're going to do. I don't think anyone identifies as a pipe bomber in our audience. <laughs> there might be some Republicans, but hopefully not any pipe bombers. You never know. You never know. Someone may turn. So, this is what we're going to do. I'll read the intro, and then we, the panelists, will decide en masse on a course of action as a majority. Then I'll pass the book off to one of you to read the next bit, and so on. He called us fat. He called us a mess. I, I didn't say we're fat. Quivering gelatinous mass. Well, we just didn't have Chinese food, so yes. For Christ's sake, woman. Until we get through the story at least once, successfully or unsuccessfully, depending on how long that takes us, though given the online reviews, it may not take long at all. Really? Yeah. The good the Goodreads reviews all said that it takes about 30 minutes to get through a playthrough of this. No, oh, that's okay. Yeah. quite fast. It really is. If we do it, Successfully or not successfully, we'll give it a second try from an earlier branching point, just so you don't have to hear the whole story all over again. So, shall we begin? Sure. Sure. Let us start, then. Oh, do we want to read the back to... to oh, to yeah. Some... Let's, let's do have that. Give away the adventure. Um, Allison, you didn't get a chance to do that last time, so let's have you do it. Join the Doctor on his travels through time and space and influence the story with your decisions. Choose a direction and let the adventures begin. Mm-hmm. Danger and adventure await you on a school trip to a gas refinery. Man, that went a lot more prosaic than I expected. <laughs> to a gas refinery <laughs> infested by, jail, by giant alien crustaceans. I guess it did swing back up there. Yeah. Only you can help the Doctor and Amy put a stop to the Macra's plans and save Earth. Macra or Macra? Macra. The and Macra. I, and I just realized I'm going to have to break out my really bad Scottish accent for Amy. No, you don't have to. You choose to. Uh, well, well, that's choosing your own adventure. There you go. My He's... adventure is chosen the, the accents that I can't do. Tony chooses it. linguistic suicide. <laughs> These interactive stories continue online. With no, links, they don't. With links no. to exclusive animated scenes no, and an exciting don't. online game. No, they don't. There's a new adventure waiting for you with every read. No, there is not. So, <laughs> based on no, no evidence whatsoever, yeah. I'm going to theorize this might have to do with the rights to the animated material. Although if it's BBC, I'm sure they have a very good legal department and it was work for hire rather than something that was temporarily licensed. But Maybe. But we'll never know, will we? But it could oh, be something well. like that. No, no, that's no, no. have locked down also. They have it locked down. Well, let's give this a try. He's not even Shall allowed we? to go outdoors on his own without like a BBC handle. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> Alright, so. Shall we begin... Boys and girls, let's do this. Are you sitting comfortably? <clears throat> let's begin. <clears throat> the gas refinery is huge. 
two square miles of giant steel storage tanks, filters, and chimneys. Industrial pipes surround the refinery like a gigantic nest of metallic snakes. Some are no thicker than your arm. Others are wide enough to stand upright inside. It all looks overwhelmingly complex. Rising up from the center of the refinery site is the control tower, a huge concrete cylinder topped by a ring of windows overlooking the entire development. A long underground corridor leads from the car park to the reception area at the base of the control tower. It's busy here, full of people going about their business. Engineers, scientists, company executives, all on their way somewhere important. Your school party is standing in front of the main reception desk, waiting for visitor passes to be issued. There are two teachers and about 15 kids in your group. Everyone seems a little nervous, and no one is looking forward to the tour. A school trip to a gas refinery? <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> but your attention has been caught by something on the far side of the reception area. A door marked No Unauthorized Access. It's been left open. No one seems to have noticed it, except you. But now your school party has been given their passes and are being led away by, through the tour of the factory. They're waving at you to come and join them. Someone shouting out, full of excrement. No, that's excitement, sorry. <laughs> they found something Is interesting already. Is this facility? Well, it's a gas refinery, <laughs> I hope so. Oh, that's the horror aspect of this. They're yes. harvesting children's flocks. They are indeed. They found something interesting already. Perhaps the tour won't be so bad after all. You glance back at the open door and read the sign again, wondering. Really, you should stick with the tour party and see what they found on page 89. But if you'd rather see what's on the other side of the door, go to page 50. So, what should we do? Go with the tour party on page 89, or go to the other side of the door on page 50? Like Jabez does, we walk through doors marked no admittance. Okay. Dalton? Yeah. uh, Real me wouldn't stay with the group, but... Yeah, let's go through the door. Let's go through the door. It sounds exciting. We are indeed... Page 50. Here we go. We are all together on this. So, Dalton, (laughs) since you have a copy of the book in front of you and Allison is still eating, (laughs) we shall... uh... Thanks for giving me up, Tony. (laughs) No problem. She's bringing her food through the door with us. Mm-hmm. She has a burrito in here. It also so says no food or drink beyond this point. But <laughs> hey, we're all scofflaws here. There we Indeed. go. So, page 50. Here yes. we are. You slip quietly through the door. No one has noticed. You don't intend to be long. This is just a quick look around. Nothing more. You're in a short corridor. It's brightly lit, but featureless. There's a strange antiseptic smell in the air, like a hospital and the floor is made from rubberized tiles. It looks strangely futuristic and a little bit scary. But then this is a brand new gas refinery. That's why your school has come here on a trip. What, that's why your school have come? Believe it or not, that's actually grammatically correct. In British English, it would be considered a plural. This is when I talked about GMAT, this completely bedeviled people who'd studied British English is like the difference in corporate plurals and how they're tested on in American English grammar. So to find out. Yes. (laughs) To find out how modern science is coping with the energy shortage and what can be done to process gas and oil safely and efficiently. It's not a bad project, really. In fact, you can hear the distant sound of the refinery in operation, the low hum of machinery and computers, and you can even feel it through your trainers, a faint vibration. There's no one about, so you venture a little further. At the far end of the corridor is a junction with two doors. One is marked with a red triangle and the other with a green triangle. 
There is no writing on either, and although they are closed, they don't appear to be locked. Surely a quick look behind one of the doors couldn't do any harm. But which? Don't call me Shirley. (laughs) A red triangle indicates a slow-moving vehicle. (laughs) So, Do we follow that buggy? If we choose to go through the red door, we're going to 72. If you want to go through the green door, we're going back to 13. Hmm. What do you want to do? It's Halloween. Go red or go home. I was going to say red is usually bad. Red is usually bad. We'll go to bad. Okay, so we're going to page 72. I think it's reverse psychology. I'm going to have Allison read this one. We're just doing all the wrong things. You push the door open and it leads into another corridor. There's a different smell here, something industrial, like the exhaust fumes of a car. The corridor isn't as bright and clinical as the first. In fact, it's pretty dark because the lights aren't working properly. Hey, Onimo, says a voice from the shadows. I'll fix the lights. There's a shrill whine, and suddenly the whole corridor is illuminated by powerful strip lighting. <laughs> yeah, strip lighting, not strip club lighting. Give me a moment to... Pro- like, this seems not appropriate for children. It's stripper lighting. <laughs> yeah, like, they're footlights? Yeah. Uh, standing in the middle of the passage is a man in a tweedy jacket and elbow patches. He's sporting a bow tie and narrow trousers and looks like he might be a teacher or a professor, except he's so young. Bright eyes turn to look at you from beneath a heavy black fringe. Oh dear, he says, his shoulders slumping. We've got company. A red-haired girl in a short skirt steps from behind him. Are you lost? She asks with a smile. No, you reply. Are you? More often than not, says the man. But if I'm honest, I prefer it that way. Makes life so much more interesting, don't you think? You nod in agreement, warming to him straight away. He's not smiling, but there's a twinkle in those deeply set eyes all the same. How did you get the lights to work, you ask? Ah, inquisitive. Good. Like that. He holds a slim metal device. Sonic screwdriver, multi-purpose, multi-function, multi-multi. Like it? (laughs) You nod again. Great. We're going to get on really well. The man holds it out his hand. I'm the doctor, and this is Amy. You tell him your name, but he's already withdrawn his hand and is peering back down the corridor. Can you smell something? The doctor asks. It's not me, honest, says the girl. Amy, they're in a gas methane processing. Of course. Or me, you add quickly. The doctor, is sniffing, the doctor is sniffing loudly like a dog with a scent. Definitely not me either. Well, that's a relief. Could be embarrassing otherwise. But on the other hand, don't mind him, advises Amy with a smile. He's always like this. Wait, exclaims the doctor suddenly, holding up a hand. Can you hear that? Listen. You all hear, you all strain to hear. A strange, distant hissing noise echoing down the corridor. This is going to be great with a, for a person with a lisp, a hissing noise. <laughs> Still not me, says Amy. Or me, you say at the same time as the doctor. The doctor runs down to the end of the corridor and is calling you to follow. The passageway branches off in two directions. The noise came from down there, the doctor says, pointing one way. The smell is coming from the other direction, though, says Amy, with a hand in front of her nose. Yuck. If you want to investigate the strange noise, follow the corridor to, te- to 100. If you want to follow the strange smell, try 110. This is a game I used to play in my apartment. Find the smell. (laughs) You want to find the smell? I don't know, but it's never good. It's never like, Mm -hmm. you know, cut flowers or a nice pot roast. It's always something... Well, it could be a durian fruit. That at least would taste nice. What would you follow? Well, a gas refinery. What do you you (laughs) do, Dalton? I would not want to follow the smell. I also would not want to go to the strange noise. I would... Yeah. We, we were such well-behaved children. We never did this. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, but 
Yeah, let's try to find the smell. Okay. Dude, then do I will, want to. I will indeed. Sorry. Uh, we'll there we go. There's well, we the got smell. the sound and the smell. We got the smell. Done in one. <laughs> so it's... This is why he's the expert. Exactly. Page 110. Page 110. Oh, it's short. <laughs> the right-hand tunnel leads down in a gentle slope. It's only just wide enough to stand up in, and if you reach out on either side, you can touch the sides of the tube. It's a pipe, realizes Amy. Gas refinery, says the doctor. Of course it's a pipe. And is that smell gas? Some kind of gas, yes. The doctor's voice echoed thoughtfully along the passage. I've smelt it before, but not on this planet. Wait, you say, holding a hand out to stop the others. Look! You point at the ground in front of you. The pipeline takes a turn downwards here. A series of metal rungs set in the side of the pipe leads down into a deep well. This must lead deep... Uh, this shit, sorry. This must lead to the deeper levels of the refinery, says the doctor. Another choice, then. I can't do that, so realizes Amy. This time, do we carry on? Or do we all go deeper down? <laughs> God, that sounds terrible. If you want to investigate the lower levels, go to... 49. If you want to carry along this pipe, go to 92. Do you want to go down the ladder or do we want to go up the pipe? God, I'm claustrophobic ladder, <clears throat> but I don't know. Mm. Person who's afraid of heights might see it differently. True. Into hell. Here we go. See the lower levels? Why not? So you want the lower level too? All right. Okay, so we go to page <laughs> 49. Dalton, it's your turn. Let's see what I've chosen for myself. Mm-hmm. And for us. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I hope you know. Oops. Um, shit, sorry. <laughs> we go. <laughs> we go that way, says the doctor, pointing downwards. Deep, dark, damp. That's where the nasties always are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Way howdy. Uh, and that's what we're looking for, you ask? That's what I'm always looking for, replies the doctor. (laughs) You all climb into the hole in the ground and start down the ladder. It's cold and hard going and gets darker with every step. The sounds of your hands and feet scraping on the metal rungs echoes up and down the shaft. Oh, God. (laughs) Stop. Because the next line is also... Eventually you reach the bottom. Well, I would hope so. You're standing in another tunnel, deep underground, with metal walls, all rusted and studded with iron rivets. This is just getting really... Uh, it is. Mm-hmm. I know. The doctor has already moved on, sniffing the air. Smells getting stronger, he says. You follow him through a narrow doorway into a huge open space. It's a cavern, immense and vaulted, with giant stalactites and rock formations. This way, the doctor's already bounding off through the cave, dodging around the rocks. Is it always like this with him, you ask Amy? Yep. The doctor's reached an intersection in the cave. A flickering orange light shines from one cave entrance, and a bright, brilliant blue glow shines from the other. Which way, wonders Amy. If the doctor wants to investigate the cave with the blue light, go to 20. If you take charge to investigate the cave with the flickering light, go to 61. Blue light's always seemingly benevolent aliens who actually want to, you know, eat your soul or something like that. On the other hand, it could be a Kmart special. Yeah. Yeah. Also, 
one way says you go with the doctor, the other way says you go on by yourself. Oh, we're going to die by ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would rather go with the doctor and go to the Kmart special. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not about... Crab legs on special. <laughs> yes. I've, we've read enough books so far that I'm... Never yeah, split I'm up. Never leave the doctor. Up. We do. <clears throat> okay. So we're going to 20 yep. to go to the blue light. Yes, and this is going to be Allison's read. But you have a... Where's yeah. that other beer? Oh. <laughs> I'll crack it open. There it is. Was it 19 or 20? It's 20. 20. The blue light is clearly unnatural. It comes from a series of fluorescent tubes arranged down the ceiling of a low, wide, underground workshop. This is just written by a decorator. This blue light is unnatural and fluorescent. What year is it? This is more like it, says the doctor, rubbing his hands together like a proper science geek. Who built a lab this far, far below ground? Amy wonders. Someone who doesn't want it found very easily, you suggest. That's right, says the doctor, scampering up and down the benches, examining equipment, uh, oscilloscopes, electron microscopes, centrifuges, DNA extrapolators. Someone with something to hide. Mad scientist, queries Amy. Does it show, smiles the doctor, modestly. I mean, is that who built this place? Some sort of mad, freaky science guy experimenting on the macro? Bill Nye, the science guy. <laughs> okay, well... She knows about the macro already? Okay. Yeah. Or on human beings. Or on human beings, you wonder? Or both, the doctor adds. He points to a circular entrance in one wall, the start of some kind of pipeline. Above the entrance are the words, no entry, experiment Z. Should I, do I have to say Z? No. Experiment. I won't force you. Yeah. <laughs> experiment Z. <laughs> I don't know about you two, said the doctor, but I just can't resist a, a, a notice that says no entry. Follow the doctor. To 118. That was not a choice so, that was written in the imperative. Yeah. So, the doctor and Amy are here already knowing about the macro, I'm, I'm assuming. They <clears throat> already seem to know about it. Yeah, Unless yeah. there's a problem in the um, writing. I guess it's my turn, isn't it? Because it's on the new section. Yes, 118. <clears throat> we'll okay. see. But that, that's how that reads, though, is that mm -hmm. they're yeah. already aware of something. And we should say the who. All right. At the end of this pipeline is a circular hatch with a large central cogwheel lock. <clears throat> At a nod from the doctor, you spin the wheel, and the hatch creaks open on a rusted hinge. Welcome, intones a deep, resonant voice from the darkness beyond. You step out of the pipe into a low chamber. There is a large, recessed tank full of water in the middle of the room. It's pretty gloomy in here, but the voice continues reassuringly, You are quite safe. We mean you no harm. The doctor shines his torch on a huge, crab-like creature squatting in the pool. It has huge serrated claws and a pair of eyes waving on the ends of stalks, and it chuckles as you recoil in fear. Do not be alarmed. Are you a macra? The doctor asks incredulously. That is correct. Sorry, the doctor replies, you're remarkably friendly compared to others of your species I've met. I am Chikakna. I am Chikakna. No, I am Kachakna. Kachakna. Kachakna, replies the giant crab. I represent the Alliance of Intelligent Macra. AIM for short? No. AOIM. Oh. We are here to help mankind, but there may be difficulties in convincing the human race that we mean well. Looking like giant crabs isn't going to help, Amy admits. The doctor turns to you, raising an eyebrow. Well, what do you think? 
If you believe Kachakna's story, follow the doctor to 123. If you think the macro could be lying, go to 86. You remember Mark Twain's The Literary Offenses of Fenimore Cooper? Oh, God. Which was, like, completely formative to me and, like, what criticism could be. I love that essay. And Chikongook, pronounced Chicago, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking of there. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. So, do we believe Chicago? Or do we think he could be lying? You're a kinder soul, Dalton, than the rest of us. But he Use, also is the macro. I was going to say, using previous knowledge from the other macro story we've read, I wouldn't trust him. But if I was just a little school baby here on a field trip in a gas refinery, why is the doctor trusting me to make this decision? That's a very good question. <laughs> <clears throat> That's what I'm more worried about. But... Uh, I don't have a stereotype for whether or not crabs are usually deceptive. Well, these <laughs> are. These crabs are pretty deceptive. I mean, he did chuckle at us, though, so I don't know. Maybe. Mm. <laughs> We're going like, to be here all day. <laughs> is it like the crab in Moana that, you know, is studded in jewels and oh, whatnot? Yeah. Oh, well, The shiny. one that's vaguely based on David Bowie? <clears throat> I guess, but is it lying? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. We, is don't, we don't believe it. Do we not believe it, Dalton? Let's not believe him. He could be lying. I don't believe it either, so we're going to page 86. Don't trust the macro. Don't trust the macro. Are you going to put that on a sign? Yes. Down yeah. with the... Down with the macro. So Dalton is reading it for us. Mm-hmm. I'd like to believe you. Really, I would, says the doctor. But I'm afraid that's not going to happen. I know the macro of old in the future, and even farther into the future. They never bear any goodwill to mankind. They are a thoroughly nasty lot, and Earth could well do without them. Amy looks uncertainly between the Doctor and the Macra. Are you sure? He seems so nice. They can be very clever, admits the Doctor, but not as clever as this! (laughs) Instantly, he rolls into action, leaping across the chamber, splashing through the tank. The macro reels back in confusion, snapping its claws at the doctor's coattails as he flashes by. The doctor dives, straight towards a set of heavy levers emerging from the floor. He yanks one down, and there's an immediate, devastating whoosh of air, and the water starts to drain from the pool, sucked down like a flush in a toilet. (laughs) (laughs) The macro groans, its legs scrambling at the edges of the tank. Get out quick, roars the doctor. You head for the exit, Amy right behind you, flinging open the doors. You shoot out into the bright daylight, and we're going straight to nine. (laughs) You can go straight to nine. And that's going to be Allison's. Going straight to nine is instructed. You step through the door and quickly try to take in your surroundings. The refinery is huge and complicated, and it's hard to get your bearings. But before you can work out where you are, crack in italics and old. There's a blinding pain as something hard and heavy hits you from behind. Your senses spin and the world disappears in a dark, dizzying void. If you want to see the macra, click on box A on the screen and enter the code word macra. Or go straight to 97. We gotta go straight to 97. This is what's referred to as a bounded choice. Yes. 97, and is that Dalton? That would be 97. You wake up looking at the ceiling. Bright lights. A harsh antiseptic smell. 
You're lying on a table of some kind. It could be an operating table. You're tied down, straps across your wrists and ankles and forehead. You can't see anything else except the lights above. And then a shadow passes over you. A pair of wicked black eyes stare down at you from the end of long, flexible stalks. A wet mouth puckers inside a narrow gap between hard red shell. What? Shells? Shell? The macro lets out a sigh of satisfaction, its rank breath washing over you. A pair of huge pincers fills your vision as it leans over you. Your heart is pounding with fear, but out of the corner of your eye you can see two figures sneaking into the operating room. It's the doctor and Amy. Thank goodness they're still alive and free. If you think you'd better cause a distraction so that they are not noticed, go to 23. If you think they should get out while they still can, shout a warning on 58. All hell no, I'm going to create a distraction. Yeah, I want out of this Run for your life. Uh, no, you two go on without me. Let me die here with this <laughs> stinky crab thing. Yeah, crab no. with halitosis. I'm reminded of Eddie Murphy's uh, routine about this. Yeah. Don't leave me, motherfucker! <laughs> I'm being mocked by a crab with bad breath. Right. So, cause of distraction, 23. Yes. Hard to imagine a crab with minty breath. Exactly, unless, you know, you stuff the mint in them. I'm just saying, it doesn't go together. Okay. Lean. You begin thrashing around on the table, calling the macra every name you can think of. Joanne, Susan, Terrence, <laughs> anything to distract it and to stop it, noticing the doctor and Amy. You can see them creeping across the room. The doctor starts working on some controls with the sonic screwdriver, and suddenly the room is filled with a loud hissing noise. The effect on the macro is instant. It collapses backwards, choking and coughing, its legs waving madly in the air. Amy unfastens the straps, holding you down, and you roll quickly off the table. You're very grateful. Another minute and you'd have been done for. What did you do to the macra? Asked, Amy asked the doctor. The doctor watches the creature as it grows weaker and weaker. I've used the aircon system to fill the room with pure oxygen. It's poison to the macro. Will it die, you ask? Not if I shut off the flow, but we'll have to leave straight away. Then let's do it, Amy says. But the doctor hesitates. If we go now, we may lose the chance of finding out what's going on. There must be something here that can tell us. If we want to search the lab, go to 46. If we think the macra can have answers for us, we will go to 64. I have a hesitation. How was that macra earlier surviving if they were in an oxygenated atmosphere? Well, that was a smell they were smelling. Never mind, that explains itself. Mm -hmm. Okay, so explore the lab or... Explore the lab or... Or talk to Mr. Macra? Yeah, and interrogate hey, the Hey, call macra. me Mr. Macra. <laughs> we, will, we will tie him down and hope that well, Mr. Crab, Mr. Krabby Patty. Oh. <laughs> well, what are we going to do to it? Hmm. hmm. Tail fit and brown butter? Hmm. Well, do we want to interrogate the crab or do we want to search the lab? That's a very good question. Let's go Jack Bauer on the crab. Yeah. Dated reference, sorry. <laughs> yes. Okay. Let's torture that crab. 64. Or just question it skillfully. Okay. Uh, 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 All right, Allison. Sorry, so 2003 in here. We can ask our friend here some questions, the doctor says. He squats down in front of the dying macro. Man, that's kind of dark and casual. Or Anyway. 
Yeah. If you answer my questions, I'll switch off the oxygen. That That is pretty Jack Bauer for a yeah. doctor in a children's book. <laughs> the microwaves, its eye stalks weakly. I'll take that was a yes, the doctor smiles. Okay, here's your starter for ten. What are you doing here on Earth? I'm afraid it's gonna. he's going to hook up a lamp cord to the crab's nipples. Um, the macro <laughs> speaks with a low, gurgling voice. <laughs> We're trying to help you, human. <laughs> That's a bad life choice. I find that hard to believe, and anyway, I'm not human, but go on. The macro coughs. We need the gases your planet produces to sustain its energy. Without it, we will die. Become in peace. <coughs> really, you ask? Trying to do Seth Meyers. Really? <laughs> then why were you about to operate on me? <laughs> if there is any way we can replicate your respiratory system. So that you're not so reliant on rare toxic gases, the doctor says, stroking his chin thoughtfully. Let the record show that Mr. Witt is doing just that. They're not as lengthily as Matt Smith could it do. It would be awkward <laughs> if you were stroking someone else's chin thoughtfully. <laughs> Surely you don't believe this thing, asks Amy. Do we believe this thing? If you think the macro wants to help mankind, go to 14. If you think the macro is lying, go to 79. I think the macro is lying. We didn't trust it before. Why should we trust it now? I agree. Man, it's xenophobic up in here. Go to 79. Yeah. I mean, the doctor doesn't trust them either. He doesn't. He knows what they're like. You must think I was born yesterday, says the doctor. The macro are always looking for worlds to invade and corrupt their infestation. Once they get a grip on a planet, it's very difficult to get rid of them. The macro hisses angrily. You know our species. Yeah, so clear off. We have already secured a bridgehead on this planet. We control this refinery. No, you don't. The doctor produces his sonic screwdriver and aims it at the control banks of the macro's teleportation device. I do. Explain. I thought it was you locked by the smell when I got here, so I've set the controls to a reverse teleport signal. All I have to do is activate it. The doctor waggles the screwdriver. If I'm not mistaken, the teleport's tuned to, into macro life forms so it'll affect you all. The macro snaps its claws angrily. You would not dare! Reversing the teleport signal would kill us all! Just you wait till I get these rubber bands off. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. But there are other options. The doctor turns to you. What do you think? If you think the doctor should find a way, another way to deal with the macro, go to 31. If you think he should press home his advantage now, go to 116. Mm. Dalton, you're a hard man. <laughs> Would you, you press no home idea. your advantage? Or... <laughs> uh, uh, mm -hmm, mm. Should we press that advantage? Or I don't know. Different direction. Have another of... way to deal with our crabs. Right. Get out well. the rid. Who's <laughs> over here eating my water chestnuts? <laughs> Wait, that comes off wrong if no one can see the food that you're actually eating. <laughs> I don't know that I would want them to die. Okay. I just would want them to leave us alone. All right. So we should find another way. Do I see yeah. thick skin? Yeah. Yes. Well, Allison, how do you feel about it? I'm not prepared to kill. Okay, so yeah. we should find another way. Alright, so Dalton, we're going to page 31. 31. Is this going to bite us in the ass? It might. If we can find 31, mm, there's bite 31. Us, uh, there we pinch go. us. 
<laughs> just on yes, it's going to pin turn. Yes, come here, you. <laughs> huh. I'm not about to kill anyone, the doctor says, but there is a look on his face that chills you to the bone, because you know that his that this admission will give the macro victory. Already, the terrifying beast is rearing up on its crab-like legs with a triumphant hiss, ready to attack. How can a crab have crab-like legs? Of course it has crab legs. <laughs> anyway, sorry, go on. <laughs> good, uh, good catch. <laughs> yes, me too. Uh, um, look out, you cry, dragging Amy to one side as a massive claw snaps forward. In seconds, there is a pandemonium is pandemonium not a pandemonium that a was added by me in seconds there is pandemonium the school no definite kids, article at all the school kids are racing for the exit everyone is diving out of reach of those deadly claws where did they come this from this one macra has apparently where are the why it has are the kids a bunch back? of school school children in its claw i don't know i don't know it's happening did we take a wrong turn snap you manage to duck at the last moment, but you feel the swipe of the claws through your hair. Your blood runs cold with a sudden fear of death. How did you ever get into this situation? Well, we went through a door, and then we went through another door, and then we climbed down the pipe. We were warned by OSHA to not mm-hmm. intrude into this part of the yeah. facility. And before that, we bought two extra copies from Amazon. Mm-hmm. The macro continues to attack in a frenzy, <laughs> and its horrible shrieks of rage are awful to hear. You can see the doctor is pinned to the floor by one of its many legs, but as you move to help, disaster! Thud. <laughs> Boom. Thud. 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 Something there heavy and hard. A claw? Ooh. Catches you. A gancing... Catches a... Catches you a gancing... Glancing... I cannot speak. <laughs> Something heavy and hard. A claw. Catches you a glancing... You're too turned on by that heavy and hard thing. That's exactly what it is. You dirty dirty minded fool, you. This is for 13 year olds. Catches you a glancing blow on the back of the head. And you black out. 13 year old. Okay, so the the macro just made us black out. We wake up on page 93. I think we just fucked ourselves over by letting it. We probably did. Alright, shall I? You wake up with a splitting headache because you've been hit in the back of the head with a dong. By a, by a gansing blow. <laughs> by a gansing blow. <laughs> yes. Yes. Amy is by your side helping you to your feet. Take it easy. You've had a bad knock on the head. I can't do a Scottish accent the same life. There are no macro around. You're alone with Amy in some kind of waiting room. Comfortable chairs, a low table, a drinks machine. She fetches you a glass of water. The bitch. I wanted a beer. What happened? The macro went berserk? Amy explains. I managed to drag you on the doctor out, though. We're in a side lab. Where's the doctor? A door opens and the doctor crashes in, a whirl of arms and legs and excited energy. Come on, you two. No time to sit around looking sorry for yourselves. You've got work to do. Come and look at this. He bounds back through the door and you follow him with Amy. Follow the doctor to 113. If we must. Inside a vast high-tech laboratory. High-tech is spelled H-I hyphen T-E-C-H. Oh, is it? Seems non-educational. Like drive-through? Inside a vast high... Or light, L-I-T-E. Oh, God, I hate that. Inside a vast high-tech... He-tech laboratory. He-tech. High-tech. It's like 
greetings and salutations. Inside a vast <laughs> high-tech laboratory, the doctor is conferring with a number of white-coated scientists. There are computer screens lining the walls showing images and diagrams of the gas refinery and of the macra. Don't be alarmed, the doctor tells you. He has to raise his voice a little to be heard over the sound of banging and clattering from the next room. It's quite <laughs> exciting, really! All that banging going on. Whoops, shit. He introduces you both to one of the scientists, Professor Banahan. We're using the macro to soak up the poisonous byproducts of the refinery as it converts natural liquid gas into energy, the professor explains. The macro's special biology means that it can live here safely and help benefit the environment. It's a perfect kind of symbiosis. One can't survive without the other. Man, if this whole book is about encouraging sympathy for evil scientists of the petroleum industry, that will be a dark turn. It's a little. Uh, but what's that, ba- what's that banging all about? asks Amy. Ah, well, that's just a slight problem, the doctor admits. The macro are a bit upset, understandable, really, with the three of us running around loose like this. The poor things just need calming down, so I think we should have a little chat with them, don't you? Interview with the macro on 84. By Anne Rice. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) From the Macro Chronicles. said 84. 84. Yes. The macrolistat. Oh, we're about to reach Uh-oh. a moment of truth. Okay. Well, this is, this is on me. We're on 84, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the doctor opens the connecting door and walks calmly through a sonic screwdriver at the ready. I set the screwdriver's frequency to one that calms the fear centers of the macro brain, he whispers. Should help keep things cool. The room is full of macra and a foul-smelling, swirling gas. It's pretty toxic, the doctor warns. Lovely for the macra. Not so good for us. But we'll be okay for a short while. Even so, you and Amy both cover your nose and mouth with handkerchiefs. Soon, the doctor establishes contact with the macra leader, a powerful creature with with a thick, gnarled carapace and huge claws. It eyes the doctor warily. Hi, the doctor says. Glad you're feeling, you're all feeling better. What's the deal here, then? We wish to help Earth with with its pollution problem, replied the giant crab creature. We offer the Macra Accord, a business relationship whereby we are allowed to breathe the gas. Terrible small car. (laughs) (laughs) Whereby we are allowed to breathe the gas humans find toxic. Very decent of you. There's plenty of room for you here at the refinery if you want to stay and help. Some of us will stay, rumbles the macro leader. There are many of us here with different skills and needs. Some will volunteer to stay on Earth and help your scientists solve the problems of environmental pollution. Others must return to the stars. The fuck? The doctor is beaming. Excellent. And there's one now. <laughs> yes. The macro accord could not have been made without your help, doctor. We all owe you and your friends a great debt of thanks. Amy shares a smile with you, and you realize your adventure is over. It's been quite a day, and some school trip. And you realize Amy will never love you. Yes. So... What a piece of shit. (laughs) The the doctor? The book? Should we go and try another way? Because that's one possible ending. So the doctor was ready to... Kill the macra and certainly ready to interrogate it with death threats. And nipples. But it's okay because the the petroleum industry scientists are actually 
helping everyone by enslaving an alien race to filter toxins? Is that yeah. is that where we're going well, with that's, this? That's exactly where we're going with <laughs> this. We, no, not, no, they really like it. There's an accord and yeah, everything. I'm yes, not, I'm not happy with that ending. <laughs> I'm really unhappy with there's that a, ending. There's a Honda Accord and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, dear God. It's, yeah, hmm. That's, that's, that's. That's worse than the original story. So why were the uh, Macros so angry and hostile towards us earlier in the story? Why were they cackling and hissing at us? They didn't know their options, apparently. Yeah. Their yeah. options were to do their own thing or be enslaved. So naturally, they'll go with enslaved and have and, an accord. And, and, we'll, and we'll be told, oh, no, no, actually, the scientists and the Macro are in love and they have a very close relationship, you see. Yeah. It's a little bit of, excuse the pun, gaslighting. <laughs> oh! <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, literal slow clap. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, God. Um, so should we go back and torture them sooner? We could. <laughs> we could. Man, um, that's gonna be the, is that going to be the moral of the story? The only way to get a really good outcome is to uh, kill, kill, kill. Have, have you never played these before? That's exactly what you're doing. I've only done the Goosebumps. I've only done the so. Choose Your Own Adventure, like the original yeah, me too. thing. Me too. And the other theory. Doctor Who Choose Your Own Adventures from the 80s are a little more complex than this. Okay. Some, sometime we'll have to do that. Um, tell you what we'll do. How far back do we want to go? Well, we don't want to go through the whole school trip thing again. No. So we're not going to do chapter one. But we, what we can do... It'll go on our permanent record. Is go on the other side of that door. Because I think we all not, none of us wants to go with the tour party. No. So we'll start on 50... And we'll see what the choice is. Because then we'll just get attacked by the macro later. We don't save the kids because the macro is like tossing them in the air with its large claws. Is that exactly. right? Later on? And it we're not sure like why it. the kids They are deserved there. it. They picked on me a lot. On page 50, we're given the choice to <laughs> go through. It's like the, the Onion headline. Local man supports all the troops except the jerks he went to high school with. Exactly. I feel that way too. You said 50. On 50, we're given the choice to go through the red door or the green door. We ended up going through which one? We chose the red door because we like to live dangerously. That's right. So this time, let's try the green door. Green door. All right, so I will start us on page 13. That should be enough to get us on a different branch of the story. Taper winding sound. We will probably end up... uh, Yeah, in fact, that's exactly what's going to happen. You push open the door. Beyond is a darkened corridor. There are cobwebs hanging from the ceiling, and you can feel the grime underfoot. No one's been down here for years, probably not since the refinery was built. You're about to turn back when you hear something. You stop and listen. What is it? Some sort of grumbling noise, like a giant machine working away in the depths of the refinery. Or perhaps it's an animal, a guard dog, growling in the shadows. You creep forward. At the end of the corridor, at the far end of the corridor, rather, is another door. You can feel the door handle in the dark, and you can hear the low, rumbling growl from the other side. It's definitely not machinery, but what is it? And do you dare open the door to find out? Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you want to open the door, risk your life on page 51. If you'd prefer to go back and live another day, try 15. Once again, kind of a bounded choice. If you prefer to live another day. Yeah. Yeah, who's feeling clinically depressed? Let's, let's just go through it. Let's go through the door. Alonzi, yeah. Die another day. Page 51. So Dalton, take us to 51. Hopefully it's nowhere we've been. <laughs> On a before. scale of 50. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
You push the door open. It leads into a large, echoing metal chamber. It's very dark, and there's a strange, musty smell in here. And something else. Something that smells like gas. Oops. Which is probably only to be expected in a gas works. You go into the room. It's to be expected in a proctologist's office. Well, yes. Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> Your footsteps echo hollowly on the metal floor. It feels oily underfoot, almost slimy. You dread to think what kind of algae is spread across the ground, but the grumbling noise is louder. And suddenly, you sense that you are not alone in this dark, echoing void. There is something else here with you. Something that is alive, breathing, and cold-blooded. Something moves in the darkness. As your eyes grow accustomed to the shadows, you see a huge shape move towards you. It's the size of a large van. A white van. <laughs> and then you can see and then you can see it has a pair of eyes. Glowing red eyes, which move around in the air as if they were perched on the end of a pair of stalks. A slithering, scraping noise makes its way through the dark. The sound of something hard and heavy, still <laughs> that same descriptor, hard and heavy, moving across the metal floor, the footsteps of many inhuman legs. Your heart is pounding in your chest. You know this is no animal. It's the size of an elephant, but it is completely alien to Earth. If you want to turn and head out back through the exit, we can go to 15, or if you want to wait and see what's lurking in the dark, head for 65. This ain't no animal. This ain't no disco. Right. Yes. I want to see what's in the dark. In the yeah. dark of the night, people will find you. Dun, well, dun, dun. yeah, because 15 was where we could have gone before. So. Exactly. Let's just, just want to go to the dark, 65. Sorry, and the macro chops her head off. Yay. <laughs> what, how dare you misgender this narrator? <laughs> <laughs> we have no idea what they are. You feel rooted to the spot. Every nerve in your body is screaming at you to run, but somehow you can't. Somehow you know you want to see what the thing in the dark really is. And then a light comes on. Man, you wish you hadn't seen it. <laughs> Towering above you is the biggest crab you've ever seen. The biggest crab you probably ever will see. Its mouth is poised to bite off your head. Thick, gooey saliva hangs from the puckering orifice, and it drips onto your shoulders. You can smell the awful breath of the fearsome <coughs> creature, the nauseous gas that you sensed when you first entered the chamber. Nauseating is what Strunk and White would say. <laughs> the gas doesn't feel... Well, anyway. You've just... <laughs> you've just met the macra, says a voice from behind you. Say hello. You turn to see a man staring up at the macra. He has a mop of long, untidy hair hanging on a heavy fringe over, a deep, over deep, clever-looking eyes. He's wearing a bow tie and a tweed jacket, and standing beside him is a pretty red-haired girl in a short skirt. She waves at you. I'm the doctor, by the way, says the man casually, and this is Amy. That's all the introductions out of the way. You can tell us your name after I've done this. And he points a slim mechanical device at the giant crab. The air is filled with a shrill noise, and the crab, the macra, backs away, snarling and hissing like an, irrit like an irritable crocodile. Actually, it was just that asshole on his bike, but continue. <laughs> Sonic screwdriver, explains the doctor. Works wonders every time. Now come on. Amy grabs you by the hand, and the three of you race out, the ch out of the chamber all the way to eight. Uh, uh, the Sharon's. <clears throat> the doctor slams the door shut. And you catch your breath for a moment. Should we be doing sound effects? No. I'll put those in later. Your neighbors don't like it when Besides I stop. Besides, the neighbor yes. will not like that. Mm -hmm. Amy notices you looking at them both wide-eyed. 
We're here to find out what the Macro are up to, she explains. They're aliens from another planet. They shouldn't be here at all. I'm making her sound like Jamie. I was going to say, you're doing, like, bad Jamie. I really am. The doctor... How dare you? The doctor is sniffing like the air like a bloodhound. Like good Jamie, did you? Gas. They feed on certain gases that are poisonous to human beings. That's what they're here for. The question is, how? And what are we going to do about it? You might think that this is a good time to rejoin your school party, but the doctor is having none of it. No time for that. <laughs> we need to follow that macro. The sonic blast will, will have given it quite a headache. I was aiming straight down its gullet, toward the soft tissue areas around the cerebral cortex. It would be sick and, sick and confused, and probably head back to wherever it feels safest. The lair of the macro, you suggest? He smiles brightly. You catch on quick? Come on. He leads you both back into the vast metal chamber. There's no sign of the macro now, but on the far side of the room are two doorways. One is much larger than the other, leading to a wide duct. Something as large as a macro could go down easily that way. And the other door? <laughs> Wonders Amy. The doctor peeps through a narrow window in the top of the smaller door. Some kind of workshop, he whispers. Looks promising. And smells promising, too. If you want to check out the lab, go to 92. If you want to follow the macro, go to 30. There's pizza in there. We mm. have we been here before? I don't think we have. No, no. Lab or macro? Macro or lab? I let's. I want to stick with macro. I'm okay. All right. Awesome. Macra? Sounds good. Okay. I mean, if we're gonna figure out what they're doing, we need to take a feather in my hat and call me macaroni. I'm so sorry. Oh, oh. oh. I'll, I'll share myself out. Yeah. 31. 30. And this will be Dalton. Ah, so the first save page we've seen with art on it. We've yes. got... It's not really art. We've Well, it's a photo. The doctor no, opens... The doctor. the doctor. opens the hatch. Wait, that's the wrong page. That's but, the page. Sorry, so ashamed. Uh, oh, I guess I'll end up there. We ought to find out what the macro are up to, says the doctor, and he, hurts, and he heads down the tunnel. It heads at an angle downwards. By your estimation, you are soon underground. You can hear the machinery of the gas works thrumming through the walls as you go. So where are you from? You ask Amy. I'm from Scotland. And the doctor? He's from another planet. Right. No, seriously, he travels through space and time in an old police box called the TARDIS. An old police box? Yeah, it's bigger on the inside than the outside. You could be in the company of a pair of lunatics, but there's something about them, something reassuring, something you feel almost instinctively that you can trust. It's starting to get cold down here, and the walls of the tunnel are covered in condensation. Soon you're all shivering and damp. Eventually, the doctor calls a halt. He found something interesting, but he's almost hopping from foot to foot with excitement. Look at this! It's a wide metal grill on the floor of the duct. Beyond it is a hatchway leading to who knows where. Now may I read 31? Yes, yeah. The doctor opens the hatch a crack. <laughs> okay. Thank you. We've come out near the coast. The refinery is built by the sea so that there was a ready supply of cold water to help cool the fuel pumps. The outlet must, outlet must lead to the beach. But what about this, Amy asks, pointing down through the grill. Beneath, a dim green light is shining. It certainly looks peculiar, and the doctor's attention is easily drawn to it. All right, before we get to the choice, brief rant. I understand in the 1960s they had to deal with a relatively restricted budget and uh, filming in a studio, and they had to run through a lot of hallways and cave tunnels and granaries and whatnot and chase different colored yes. lights. But this is fiction on the page. 
budget shouldn't really be a constraint. Do we have something other than chasing chasing different colored lights and running down hallways and going up pipes and ladders? I I feel that there are budget constraints that are artificial. Oh, well. I have to choose. Well. Rant over. (laughs) Oh, he, he declares my rant over, does he? If you want to go outside and investigate the coastal area, go through the door to 76. If you want to see what lies beneath the ducting, go through the grill to 41. If you want to forget all of this... And I'm ready nice, to go to the beach. Right. Have a nice beach day and read a Target novel. Before someone stops me, yes. I'm going to say 76. Okay, 76. Go to the coast. That would be Dalton. You're going to 76? You're going to 76. You want to go to the beach? 76 yeah, in a handbasket. No, I'll go too. I'm getting claustrophobic in here and my lungs don't feel so good. I, I want to go to I the coastal you. area. Let's yeah. go to the beach. Minutes later, you're trudging along the beach in the shadow of the refinery. The doctor seems in good spirits, damp and bedraggled, but still optimistic. We have to tackle this problem at the source. The macro have to be stopped. If they take control of the refinery, it will be goodbye Earth. Further along the shore, Amy spots tracks in the gritty sand. Oh, we came the right way. That's right. I completely misparsed that. Goodbye, Earth. Not, that's goodbye me, or that'll be goodbye, Earth. I'll be be okay with it. (laughs) He's got got the TARDIS to return to. That's that's like, take a knee, my ass. (laughs) (laughs) Commas of the wrong place. (laughs) (laughs) I just said a spell. Macro tracks, says the doctor, <laughs> examining the deep grooves left by many claw-like legs. You can see how they move sideways like a normal earth crab, except they're not normal. <laughs> and there are many different kinds of macra. Some big, intelligent, and mean. Others are huge, savage, and bloodthirsty. Then there are some which have reached a high enough state of intelligence to reason with them. Let's hope these are the tracks of that last lot, then, you say. We're going to 122. Find out on page 122, which I shall read. Are, they, are these nice crabs? Or are they the kind that you need rid for? Yes. You can hear a strange noise up ahead just around the next cave. It's a clacking, rustling sound, but it sounds wet, too, as if what's happening is taking place in the water. The doctor signals you to keep low, and crouching down, you and Amy join him behind some rocks overlooking the cove. What you see is a rock pool full of macra, crawling all over each other, legs and arms waving blindly in the air, but there's something wrong. Some of the macra shells appear to be loose, cracked, semi-transparent segments of shell falling away from the writhing creatures. What's happening? You they ask in a whisper. legs in the air, but they really do care. I guess they do. The doctor replies with a low voice, amazing. What we're witnessing is quite incredible. Adult macra shedding their shells. I didn't know crabs shed their shells, said Amy. Some do, but the macra aren't crabs, strictly speaking. This is the way they build and harden their shell. As you watch a macra crawls out from under its shell, its back is white and soft, covered in thick veins, flexing slightly as the muscles of its legs move below, rippling over its thick, dark skin. Oh, sorry, I got a little sidetracked there. 
Once exposed to the air, the new shell will turn hard as rock. <laughs> well, I know how it feels. The doctor explains softly. He's clearly fascinated. So am I. And overjoyed to witness the strange ordeal. If you want to stay and watch, <laughs> you dirty bastards, go to 98. If you think you should move on and be discreet, go to 105. You and me, baby, ain't nothing but crustaceans. <laughs> <laughs> what do we want to do? Do we want to watch the spectacle of nature? Have we had enough of this voyeurism, or do okay. we want to see more? I'm quite frankly embarrassed by situations like this, but I know Tony will want to stay and watch. So, <laughs> oh, I, so perhaps Joel will be the, the tiebreaker. The dirty little man off to my right will want to stay. Jesus. Yes? Yeah, I would, would stay. I would You'd stay, stay too. too. <laughs> That's what the calling the kettle voyeuristic. Well, guess what, Allison? You get to read this one. Or is it Dalton's turn? Uh, Actually, I think it's Allison. It's Allison. Yep. Yeah, okay. Hold on, whispers the doctor. I want to stay and watch for a while. <laughs> but the macro have shed their old shells and are starting to explore the area around the rock pools. Their new shells are beginning to form, turning stiff and opaque under the light of the sun. Some of these things are getting a bit close, warns Amy. But this is amazing, the doctor protests. We could be one of the few humanoid life forms to have ever witnessed this process. And we don't want to be one of the last either, says Amy. <laughs> Look out, you cry. It, in my version of this, I'm an idiot. Okay. <laughs> Look out, you cry loudly and everything comes and eats you. Uh, one of the macro has crept much closer than expected, silently creeping over the sand towards your hiding position. Its shell is almost fully formed and its pinchers look deadly. Its twin black eyes are fixed on you. There are others approaching. It's almost like they have sensed the interest of the first, and now they are all aware of your presence. With an excited hiss and chattering, like a roach like now, they start to converge on the three of you. Oops, mutters the doctor helpfully. <laughs> Time for a great idea, Doctor. He fishes in his pocket and produces a trusty sonic screwdriver. Does it have an anti-macro setting, you ask? He grins. Time to find out. If you think the sonic screwdriver will work, go to 91. If you don't think it will have any effect, go to 59. Now wait just a minute. <laughs> Not if you choose to do this, go to page 91. And if you choose to do that, go to page 59. But this has suddenly become a test of orthodoxy and faith here. <laughs> If you think it will work, go to 91. If you don't think it will have any effect, go to 59. So is our belief in the sonic screwdriver supposed to have some effect on its efficacy? I ask you, sirs. I have faith in the sonic screwdriver. Yes. Even if you don't, you heathen you. Well, you can go straight to 91. <laughs> I mean, we did just witness a crustacean gangbang. So we did. Is this you or me, Dom? Uh, circle of life. I think it's. I think it's me. Okay, I think um, it is too. The doctor points the sonic screwdriver at the nearest macra. The tip glows a brilliant green, and a shrill vibration fills the air. It's not working, says Amy, as the macra continues its inexorable approach. The doctor quickly tries another setting. He aims the sonic screwdriver again. Still, no response. It's gaining on us, you shout. Well, damn it anyhow. Crap. Another adjustment. <laughs> he tries again. And this time, there's a result. The whine is almost inaudible. It's so high up the sonic range, but the macro is clearly affected. It oh, shudders and writhes, <laughs> crawling backwards, its eyes withdrawing in, on their long stalks. The doctor stands up, holding the sonic screwdriver straight out. The macro retreat even further. 
He starts swinging it in a low arc, forcing more of the monsters to back off. We're lucky, he says. They're still a bit, they're still a bit tender after shedding their shells. This would never have worked on a fully mature macro. You've cleared a path to that tunnel entrance, you realize, pointing at a dark, circular opening in the cliff wall behind you. <laughs> they won't be able to follow us in there if we get through the grill. <laughs> so we gotta, we gotta get the psychosexual the nightmare with Peter Pan in here. <laughs> <laughs> Backing away from the macra, keeping the screwdriver trained on the more daring specimens, the three of you reach the shaft entrance. Amy and you unlock the, the grill. Yes, the shaft <laughs> entrance. <laughs> Amy and you unlatch the grill and then refasten it behind you. The doctor switches off the sonic screwdriver and starts down the tunnel. Come on, this way. You haven't gone far before a low, rumbling growl echoes down the tunnel. The doctor holds up a hand to stop you. Uh-oh. What is it, you ask? Giant macra, right at the end of the tunnel. What now? Find out on 68. Okay. It's happening. We're going there. Uh, you know, when uh, oh. some people are afraid that their children will receive sex education in school that's beyond their present stage of maturity, this is what they're afraid of. I, I can <laughs> This well sort of material. Well, at least you know everything you know about crabs before you need to. Page 68. We could try talking to it. He will be reading 69, just yes, so you know. Yes, of course I will. We could try talking to it, suggests the doctor. He creeps cautiously towards the macra. Hello. Do you come here often? The macra's mandibles clack angrily in its mouth. I don't think it's working, doctor, warns Amy. It's going to attack. Look, you say, moving forward. The light from the doctor's torch, torch has found a section of control set in the tunnel wall. Examining it carefully, the doctor laughs softly. Just what we need. These are emergency access controls with the gas flow to the rest of the refinery. The macro rely on the gas to breathe, realizes Amy. Cut the flow, and they're in, cut the flow, and they're in trouble. Exactly. The doctor takes out his sonic screwdriver and sets to work. The macro growls from the other end of the tunnel as if sensing the danger. You'll have to work quickly, you say. I think he knows what you're up to. This won't take a second, the doctor says, operating the controls at lightning speed. The macro lurches forward with a terrible roar, and you fall back in terror, only to see the giant creature collapse with a mighty clang on the tunnel floor. Its legs scrabble weakly at the metal, and its pincers open and close spasmodically. A horrible gasping, sucking noise emanates from its mouth. Doctor, it's working! says Amy. The macro can't breathe. I know, the doctor nods sadly. That will be happening all over the refinery soon. All the macro will suffocate. Isn't there anything else you can do, you ask? The doctor's face looks pained, his deep-set eyes full of anguish. There's no other choice. If we allow the macro to continue, they'll take over the refinery, pollute the atmosphere of the entire planet, and take over. I've seen it before. They're the scourge of the galaxy, and they never give up. The macro gives a final croak and lies still. The doctor locks the gas controls and straightens up. That's it. The end of the macro. Silently, Amy follows him out of the tunnel. You join them in the fresh air. What happens now? The doctor points in one direction. That way, the TARDIS. He points in another direction. That way, your school party. It's up to you. Well, which would you choose?
Two outcomes. Yeah. Are those the only two? The doctor kills all the macro. Therefore. Or the macro get enslaved. Yep. And I think there's one that involves unit and another one that also involves mass genocide of some sort. Before we talk about what we would give this, (laughs) as we always do, let's go to goodreads.com because believe it or not, some other putzes have read this too. Yes. For online reviews of the book written by other readers, and they're pretty terrifying, uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to have your review featured when we get to an upcoming book, simply read the book, write a post in our discussion group on Goodreads before the posted deadline, so that we have a chance to see it before discussing the book ourselves, you may just get your review read out loud here. Mm. The average rating for this story out of five stars, you're not going to believe this, 3.17. Yeah. Here's some sample reviews. Douglas Prince gives it only one star and says, Listen, I get that this book is aimed at kids and that I shouldn't be judging it by the same standards as an adult book, but it really isn't very good. The plot is fine, I guess. It's a choose-your-own-adventure style of game book in which you're a child on a school trip to a refinery upon which you encounter the Doctor and Amy who are there investigating various byproducts of the refinery process, which turn out to involve the macra. Giant crab-like aliens, for those of you who aren't up on your uh, universe lore. You get to get involved in the running around investigating, and it's all jolly larks. Only it's not. Firstly, there's no Jeopardy. Yes, it's for kids, but I was reading the fighting fantasy range of game books when I was eight or nine, and quite aside from some horrific set pieces along the way, there was always a damn good chance that you would die in a suitably gruesome and painful manner. Not so in this book. I took four goes at it, making different choices along the way, and while the ending changes, it's always a successful outcome, whatever you do. Sorry, I'm kind of stopped up here. The only thing that grates is, and you might want to skip this paragraph if you're spoiler sensitive, that of those four different endings, I reached one of them, concludes with a treaty between the macro and mankind whereby they all use the toxic byproducts in order to live and leave us with clean, renewable energy. Fantastic result. Only there's another ending where you don't meet the macro leader, only the semi-mindless grunts of the macro army, and decide to kill them all in order to save the planet. Assuming it's the same story, but resolved through different decisions, you've just committed genocide on a race of creatures that were about to save the planet from self-destruction. That's not just morally questionable, but runs counter to everything the Doctor is supposed to stand for. Both those points, coupled with the fact that it's just too easy, four runs through, four successful outcomes, half an hour of my life, means I cannot recommend this book in good conscience, not even to the most ardent Whovian. Avoid. Who is that? That is someone we've never heard from before because I think they only do uh, choose your own adventures. Mm. Douglas Prince. Mm. The other review is by Megan Bradley, who we also have never heard from, who gives it three stars and says, I personally love Doctor Who. And who doesn't love a decide-your-own-adventure book, right? It being a children's book, I knew I wasn't going in for the wording of the book, but rather the fun. It took me back to the goosebump choose-your-own-adventure books that I used to read constantly when I was young. I had a blast just continuously going through and picking different outcomes. It is exactly what you expect out of a children's Doctor Who choose-your-own-adventure book. So. <laughs> your opinions, Dalton? Mm, I, out I, of five stars. I agree with the, the first review on a lot of his points. Um, 
Hmm. <laughs> On a scale of one to five. <laughs> I. Yeah, I don't quite. It's, it's hard to judge this. Um, like a two? Okay. 2.5. Wow. Uh, you don't you don't have to go high, you know, just because Trevor Baxton is still alive and might hear this. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm not worried about that. What I, mean, I don't have any connections. I don't think this uh, is his passion product, a project. If he is still alive, I don't that's true. think he has that much personally tied up in this particular book. Yeah, I think I think that that some of some of the downfall or some of what I'm just like he about it's just yeah, it's kind of. A lot of the outcomes are very... It didn't seem to matter what we chose. Yeah, because it's all going to come down to something. Being something. And I was just flipping through, and it looks like the, the quote-unquote good ending is the one that we just got where we end up getting to decide if we go back to our school or to go join the Doctor on the TARDIS. Oh, so That's like the... But to get there, we kill them all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So that's definitely worth two, two and a half. Uh, yeah, that's... Mm. Allison, I have a feeling you're going to go into negative integers, but I'll give you a <laughs> chance anyway. There's there's no rule they have to be integers. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to go with the half star. Um, wow. Well, so I, I've done it before. Um, you know, I, I am comparing not only comparing it to choose your own adventure, but also... You know, my original experience of choose your own adventure, you know, ages 6 to 12. But it needs to either be more fun, mm-hmm. sort of zanier, more sort of, you know, you, you have unlimited budget for ink in this book. You have unlimited you know, yeah. page, you have limited page numbers, but. Your gas. Yes, it is escaping. <laughs> um, but, you know. And I understand they can't do... Well, I don't know what the constraints are, what they can do with the macro. Apparently they can kill them all. But um, I understand that there, there are some limitations. You can't, you know, have a, a regeneration or some kind of major plot point. But you could have more adventures than this. You could have more fun than this, yeah. Or if you want to deal with the Doctor as to choose between saving humanity and rap, uh, wiping out the entire race of macro. Or he could take a chance on them. Mm and maybe risk humanity. If you're not going to go with funny and zany, you want more sort of moral weightiness for children because kids are ready to start thinking about concepts like that. So more fun or more weighty, I guess I would say. Okay. All right. They did have some fun with the double entendres. Yeah, and that's the thing. The most fun we had with this book was with the fucking double entendres, which, which it would go sailing over a child's head. If this yeah. is appropriate. I mean, they or had, them from at least they had fart jokes. Explaining to the therapist, there's this book I remember so well, and I don't quite know why, but I always found it so unsettling. Yeah, well, now we know why. <laughs> yeah. Knowing's half the battle. Yeah, I'm going to have to give this one, because it, it, we, it, we read it, it was fun, kind of. It was fun. The process of reading it was fun. The actual book itself, the story, Not Christ, so no. God, I would much rather read the Macro Terror aloud <laughs> and take turns on that. Oh that was God. actually actually be more entertaining. Yeah, I was expecting there to be more to the story, maybe a little bit more about the Macro being more frightening, but they're not. Amy should have a little more sense of humor. She doesn't. There was that one line that I thought was deep, and I can't even remember it now, so that shows you how memorable this is. I have a feeling that just like the Chinese food that we ate an hour ago, 
Within an hour, we're going to forget we had this. Be and we're going to go on to something even better. I mean, it's not excruciatingly bad. It's just... No, but it was horrifying. Underwhelming. Yeah, I guess it was a Halloween thingy. And I'm sure that once I put appropriate sound effects and music over it all, it'll sound a lot more impressive than it was here in this yeah. quiet room with the cars going by some outside. Of, some of the atmospherics and things in the story itself were nice. Like, we did get a, a lot of world building, I guess, to yeah. kind of make us feel... Like we were in the depths of the refinery, but I feel like somebody could have a lot of fun with one of these if they had a little more sense of voice. Like you could have a lot of fun with like the Hartnell Doctor, oh. you know, saying if you if you choose to meekly submit to the Doctor's insult, turn to page twelve. Yes. If you choose to have a go at a rejoinder, turn to page eighty-seven. And that's kind of, <laughs> so. yes. You remember William Adams who did um um oh god Galaxy Four. He does one of these for mm. the Sixth Doctor, and it really is kind of a marriage made in heaven. At some mm. point, we'll have to read that one. Yeah, I guess uh, going into it, I felt like it would it would be more, uh, yeah, like you kind of become a companion for mm-hmm. a story, and this really was like the Doctor's asking my opinion, like asking the opinion of what I'm assuming is like a middle school age kid <laughs> yes. for how well, to save the Earth from these giant crabs. Well, he does <laughs> test his new companions. You know. but, I mean, that could be fun. It's just, yeah. It could was be, not there's no, there is no, yeah, I think even in the Goosebumps books you could die occasionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, in those older Doctor Who Choose Your Adventures you could die. I will say there is something a little unsettling about the fact that you can't die, but you can kill. Yeah. Feels like it should be both or neither. Yeah. Morally, that's what the the first review was talking about. The, the the moral ambiguity of that is just not Doctor Who. Yeah. Because there were there were our first read through there were there was the time when we were tied to the table that I thought, okay, this is going to lead to a bad ending. This yes. is going to lead to a negative ending. Yeah. No. Yeah. We still managed to. It's like Get out of it. it's like playing heavy rain and not quite hitting the uh, quick time event fast enough. Yeah. The one time that I ended up playing as the female protagonist, and I ended up in that damn basement with my head knocked out, uh, knocked out, and tied down, ready to be savaged and killed by the guy. I turned to Danny and I said, "Wait, that's the end." And he said, "Yeah, you ended the game on yourself." And I was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" Mm-hmm. And yet it was kind of awesome too. That's never going to happen in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like one star. I'm sorry you won't be savaged by Macra. Yeah, me too. Because after all those double entendres, they sound awesome. Yeah, they could be with their <laughs> All shells, that sexy molting. The yeah. shells glistening in the sun. <laughs> well, thank you guys. And thank you, fellow time travelers, for giving us your valuable time on this Halloween day and night. Next time we'll be returning to our regular schedule with a discussion of the bumper volume novelization of Fury from the Deep, which, guess what, takes place at a gas refinery. There we go. I am not even joking. You're toying with us. I am not. It takes place at a gas refinery. 
Are they just all set in Whiting, Indiana from here on out? Kind of. Yeah. Yes. In the meantime, if you've liked what you've heard here, though, I can't really imagine that. <laughs> like us on Facebook at Doctor Who Target Book Club Podcast. I'm not responsible You can also visit our still pristine subreddit at reddit.com forward slash r forward slash dwtargetbc. Watch our videos of our first 12 episodes or give us a thumbs up or comment at YouTube at youtube.com forward slash user forward slash emperor forward slash videos. We also have Emperor Dalek's commutes in which I bitch to the camera while stuck on <laughs> I-55 every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And we're up to episode nine now, I think. So yeah, if you really want to learn more about me, and believe me, you don't, then you can go there. You can also follow us on Twitter. We're at DWTargetBC or subscribe to us via the podcast provider of your choice. If all else fails you, email us at DWTargetBC at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening. Happy Halloween. And enjoy your travels. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Old-fashioned cartoon car sound. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, my neck. I've got something to my neck. Something Halloween-ish? Something Halloween-ish. It's damn spooky. It was the math (laughs) 